If I was to tell you I suffered from claustrophobia, you would know that I was afraid of small spaces. Or if someone said they suffered from arachnophobia, you would know that they were afraid of spiders. If you're afraid of snakes, you suffer from ophidiophobia. If you're afraid of open spaces, you suffer from agoraphobia. But maybe you've never heard of some of these others. If you suffer from porphyrophobia, you're afraid of the color purple. I see two ladies wearing purple this morning. Ephibophobia, I think some of us may experience at some point, is a fear of teenagers. Or this one, omphalophobia means you're afraid of belly buttons. Fear of needles, you suffer from trypanophobia. And if this list that I'm going through causes you any anxiety, then you suffer from phobophobias, which means you are afraid of being afraid. You're a fear, you have a fear of fears. Fear is a constant in this world. We're, we're all afraid of something. But fear can freeze us up. It incapacitates us. It robs us of the joys of today as we worry about the things that may or may not happen tomorrow. Fear causes us to dwell on the what-ifs. What if I lose my job? What if I get sick? What if I get robbed and I lose everything? What if that medical test comes back positive? What if something happens to my child? What if I lose a loved one? Over and over and over, we create what-if worries in our lives. We long for peace. Maybe you're already in a situation that feels dark. It feels desperate. Where fear has you in its grip. And you're craving that peace in the chaos that's around you. Maybe you're not sleeping. Maybe you're not eating. Or maybe you're eating too much. Maybe you've picked up on another bad habit. Maybe you've picked up on smoking, drinking. Because you're looking for peace. You're looking for the chaos to be settled. Well, the good news is that you're not alone. Ever since that moment in the Garden of Eden when Adam and Eve were hiding from God, man has been searching for peace. Peace with God and the peace that comes from God. In our text this morning, we discovered that the Lord is peace. We learn Jehovah Shalom. We've been in a series on the names of God because that's how we learn who God is. Through his names, we discover his character. 
Up to this point, we've learned about the great I am. We've studied Jehovah Adonai. We've studied Jehovah Rafi. God is our healer. Jehovah M. Kadesh, our God is a holy God. Last week, we talked about Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. In our text this morning, we kind of come into the middle of the story a little bit in the book of Judges. The Israelites, they're in the promised land now. Joshua had led them into the promised land, but he has died. And what we see in the book of Judges is this cycle of sin and deliverance that the Israelites repeat over and over and over. I think we have a picture there. We start at the top. Israel is at peace. They're serving the Lord. They're worshiping the Lord. And then they get a little bit self-sufficient. And so they fall into sin and idolatry. They start to pick up on the pagan idolizing that's going on with the people around them. And so God kind of lifts his hand of protection on them, and they become enslaved to the people that are surrounding them. And then what happens is they realize what happened. They're desperate. They want peace. So they cry out to the Lord. Lord, help us. Help us. So in the book of Judges, what does the Lord do? He raises up a leader. Some of them you may know as Samson, the man with the strength. Deborah, the woman who led an army to victory. And so they get delivered. And then they start the cycle all over again. I think it's 12 different times in Scripture Israel goes through this cycle over seven years, ten years. It's a vicious cycle. God blesses them. They crash. Then he comes back in with his mercy. They're redeemed again just to cycle back over and over and over. And so Gideon, who we read about this morning, he's one of those judges. And we meet Gideon in a wine press. It says Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Hmm. Now Israel at this moment is enslaved to the Midianites. They've lived in desperate fear of these people. What the Midianites would do would they would come in every year. They would steal everything from the Israelites. They'd come in, in Scripture, like a swarm of locusts and devour everything that the Israelites had worked for, whether it was plant or animal, and leave them starving. And so here we meet our hero in a wine press. You know, a wine press is actually a hole in the ground. But he's threshing wheat. If you thresh wheat, you're supposed to be on a mountaintop. Because when you thresh wheat, you need the wind to come by and separate out the chaff and the heavier grain. He's in a hole in the ground. He's afraid. 
He has fear. He's afraid of the Midianites. He's terrified. But the angel of the Lord calls him a mighty warrior. A mighty warrior hiding in a hole. Gideon doesn't see himself as a hero. Gideon doesn't see himself as a warrior. But God sees him. God sees our potential. God knows our weaknesses. He knows our faults. He knows our shortcomings. But our God is in the transformation business. He takes our weaknesses, and he replaces it with his strength. He takes our shortcomings and inadequacies, and he brings us his adequacy. God sees beyond our fears. God sees beyond our failures. And so Gideon responds this way, Sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? And where are all the miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to the Midianites? That's a common complaint. When things don't go the way we expect them to, God, where are you? God, I thought, I thought we were doing this together. God, where are you? God, I'm hurting. Things are not working out the way I thought they should. Where are you? Why aren't you listening to me? See, the ironic thing is that Israel was the one who moved away from God, not the other way around. It reminds me of this elderly couple who came up to a stoplight. They had been driving out on their Sunday afternoon drive. They come to a stoplight, and the wife looks over at a younger couple in the car next to them. And she looks over, and she sees this young woman curled up next to her man. man has his arm around her, and they're just in love. They're looking at each other just dreamingly, oh, so in love. And so the wife in the elderly couple car, she looks over. And she says, you know, what happened to us? We used to do that. We used to do that. You used to wrap your arm around me. You used to look dreamily into my eyes as I looked up. And, and he looks over at her, still sitting in the driver's seat. And he looks over and he says, well, I haven't moved. We always think it's someone else's fault. What are you doing? Why aren't you listening to me? We do it to God. What if, God, what if? Worry. We worry. i got to tell you a funny story. That little story I just told you, I had shared that with Jabe. I said, so what do you think of this story? And at the time, he said, I don't get it. And I was crushed. I said, but... But that's a part of my message. How do you not get it? He said, I don't get it. And so then I went in to explain it to him. He said, oh, well, it's not really that funny. And I said, oh, goodness. And so you know what I did? I worried about it for a whole 24 hours. Well, okay, so can I use it? 
should I use this story? Should I not use this story? What do I do? And I'll tell you, I'm almost embarrassed to say, I spent two hours on the internet trying to find that story so I could make sure I got it right so that people would understand it. Worry. We just worry. It's just a natural part of who we are. And then finally, he read the message yesterday, and he says to me, after I've already worried about it for 24 hours, he says, oh, I get, the st- I get it now. Now that you've set it up for the story, now I get it. So, oh, but worry, that's what we do. What if? What if I stand up here and nobody understands what I'm saying? What if? It's just a natural part of who we are. We have to fight free will. We have to make that choice for peace. You know, God doesn't answer that question of Gideon. Where are you, God? Where are you? God doesn't answer it. But what it does say is, the Lord looked upon him. The Lord looked upon him. The Lord looks upon you and me as well. He looks upon us with expectation. I know the plans I have for you, he says. Plans for good. Plans for a future and a hope. What are you worried about? He looks upon us with encouragement. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord personally goes ahead of you. And he will be with you. He will never abandon you. The Lord looks upon us with a strength-giving might. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. For the Lord your God is with you wherever your circumstances take you. Then Gideon comes back. But how? There's a, but what if, Lord? But what if? My clan is the weakest. I am the least in my family. And God reinforces his presence again. I am with you. Forget about what you see. I am with you. So now Gideon prepares an offering. And then the angel of the Lord touches the offering and fire springs up, consuming the offering. And then the angel vanishes. And Gideon realizes that he was just standing before the face of the Lord. Then he really gets scared. I've seen the face of the Lord. I'm going to die. But this is still our mighty hero. Don't forget, God called him a mighty warrior. And here he is, he's afraid again. The Israelites believe that no one could see the face of God and live. When he sees, when he realizes that he has seen the face of God, he knew that the Lord had also seen him in his sin, in his fallenness. He feared the death that sinners should die before a holy God. But God graciously promised life. Peace. 
The Lord says, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. So then Gideon builds an altar to the Lord and names it Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace. The word shalom is, it doesn't, it's not a direct connection to peace as, as we call it, peace. Shalom, the Hebrew word, actually is a sense of well-being. It's a sense of wholeness, a sense of health and steadiness. Shalom is a steadiness in the storm. See, Gideon believed that Lord was able to use him. Now he could see, Lord, you're going to use me because of who you are, not because of who I am. That's shalom. See, God had given Gideon a message of peace to prepare him for what was up ahead. If we aren't at peace with God, we can't face the challenges and the circumstances ahead of us. We need the confidence of God. We need to be without worry, without fear. See, when God calls us to something that we think is beyond us, if it's too hard, if it's too challenging, we have to remember to look to God, not ourselves. It's his strength that gets us through. Is anything too hard for the Lord, asked Abraham. Job discovered that God could do everything. Jeremiah admitted that there was nothing too hard for God. Jesus told his disciples, with God all things are possible. Paul testified, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Get the message. The peace is not from within us unless Jesus is within us. And the peace is from Jesus. He is, after all, our Prince of Peace. He's the Lamb of God whose death and resurrection restored peace between man and God. But we like to look for peace everywhere else. The the world tells us, oh, if it feels good, do it. And so we search for peace in all the wrong places. We go to food. We go to drugs. We'll drink. Oh, we may start out with, oh, it's just a glass of wine. Oh, just two glasses of wine. Oh, it's just marijuana. That's all. That's all. We even go to our friends for peace. And when we don't find peace in those places, we struggle day after day after day. And we find ourselves in a pit the way Gideon did. The greatest problem for us is fear and worry. Because fear and worry interferes with our relationship with God. It keeps us from hearing him. It keeps us from being in his will and fulfilling his purpose for our lives. There was a study done on worry about 40 years ago. 
And the researcher discovered that 30% of the things that humans worry about all happened in the past. 30% of our worries are things that have already happened. 40% of the things we worry about never happen. And the most outrageous thing that this study discovered was that only 8% of the things that people worry about were real, legitimate issues. 8%. That means that 92% of our worries have no substance. That doesn't sound like the abundant life that Jesus came to give us. Worrying about the what-ifs. Jesus' first words to his disciples after his resurrection, peace be with you. It's important. Peace be with you. Those were his first words. And then he said it again. Again, he said, peace be with you. Jehovah Shalom wants you to experience peace in your heart, peace in your soul, peace in your mind. What is your biggest worry this morning? What is occupying more space and time in your thoughts than anything else? Identify what it is. Can you control it? Chances are, probably not. Because there's a greater than 90% chance that you can't control that. But guess what? You have a God who has 100% control over it. So give it up. Stop worrying about it. If you can't control it, our Father can. Philippians 4, 6 through 9. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. You see, the peace that we experience in our life is relative to how richly the word of God is in our hearts. So get in the word. If you're not being able to grab a hold of that peace, you need to be in the word. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Psalm 4, 8 says, In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, will keep me safe. Those who love your instructions have great peace. These instructions. In the Word, we find God, and that's where our peace is.
We find his promises. In his promises, there's our peace. You want peace? Worship the Lord. Praise him for his goodness. Recognize that God is with you always. When we worship and praise him, we're reminded of his presence. The angel of the Lord reminded Gideon, the Lord is with you. Isaiah 41.10 says, don't be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That is peace. No matter what you're facing, that is where your peace is. Almighty Father, I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. That is where your peace is. You want peace? Hang out and surround yourself with godly people. Those who can encourage you. Those who will hold you accountable when you need it. People who will pray with you and guide you back to Jesus. Ecclesiastes tells us that two people are better off than one because they can help each other succeed. If one person falls, the other can reach out and help. And as iron sharpens iron, a friend sharpens a friend. A godly friend can lead you back to the source of peace, God himself. You see, making peace with God is as simple as accepting his gift of salvation. It's as simple as believing that Jesus died and rose again to cover the debt of our sin. And then confessing that we're sinners in need of his mercy and grace. But receiving peace from God is a journey. It takes practice. That night, the Lord said to Gideon, Take the second bull from your father's herd, the one that is seven years old, and pull down your father's altar to Baal, and cut down the Asherah pole that's standing beside it. Gideon got most of the message, but he still has a little bit of fear because you know what? He tore down that altar at night so no one would see him. Why? Because he was afraid. He was afraid of what the people would do. And then after that, he continues to ask God for confirmation of his promises using the lamb's fleece. I encourage you to read it because it will encourage you that you're not alone in this search for peace. You're not alone in this what-if worry. It's right there laid out for us. But the answer is there. God was there the whole time. God was gracious and merciful with Gideon. He was patient as he is with you and me. You see, Gideon realized that the only, only the peace of God was able to stand against his doubt. Only the peace of God could help him get past his anxiety and his worry. He recognizes that his peace was about the presence of God in his life. It was about the strength of God in him, no matter how things looked around him. Peace has nothing to do with the absence of trouble in our lives. 
Peace is the presence of God in your lives. The more we strive to put Jehovah at the center of our lives, the more clearly we will see and experience him as Jehovah Shalom. Isaiah 26, 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you, all whose thoughts are fixed on you. I'll leave you with this verse, this blessing from Numbers. May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. Heavenly Father, Jehovah Shalom, you are peace. Each person in here has a storm that we may know nothing about. But you do, Father. You know their storm that they're in. Lord, I pray that we learn to cry out to you. Help me, Lord. Help me. May we see you as our source of peace. When the what-if questions start to rise in our soul, when those worries and anxieties start to creep in, may we learn to go first to your word. May we learn first to go to you, the source of our peace. May we remember that you are with us, that you are holding us up with your right arm. You are the victor. The battles aren't ours. They're yours, Father, and you have the victory. You are our peace. In Jesus' holy and precious name, amen.